0: Restrain yourself, spoiler phobes. You've stumbled across a storm of spoilers. Restrain it. How do we- ah!
1: no, restrain it.
2: She alive
0: damn shoot ah, yeah! From what used to be a church in Anvil, Texas, comes a podcast about the first season of AMC's Creature in conjunction with the original comic book series by Garth Ennis. Discussion can expand to cover all 75 comic book issues that bear the label, Preacher, Joanna's behind-the-scenes interviews with the casting creators, Seraphim, vampires, spaces, and wild speculation about the future of this adaptation.
1: Any business
0: how can make you tell
2: me? mustn't use it to understand any circumstance. Tell me what it is.
0: Hello and welcome to a storm of spoilers off-season tour. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and I have read all 75 issues of the Preacher comic book saga <laughs> and seen the first season of the show.
1: My name is Joanna Robinson. I have also seen the first season of the show, and I have read up through issue 26 in the preacher comic saga
2: and i'm neil miller and i've seen the entire first season of the show and i've read several issues of the comic <laughs> book but i am a little embarrassed to say exactly how many let's just say it's less than those other two numbers
0: <laughs> in terms of conservation of manpower though you might have uh, you might have lucked out if this is truly going to be a podcast about AMC's preacher in conjunction with the Garth Ennis comic books, Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. I should always you know, include both of them at the same time because they've been trying to get this to screen for a while. Um, we'll, of course, get into all of that like we usually do in the meat of our Star Wars Spoilers episode. Before that, we have some business, such as reviews for this fine show, which you could leave us on iTunes it help other people find us. Uh, you could also help direct other people to these, like, spin-off episodes we do. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is now published for everybody. So you can go back to our, you know, episode of that and, you know, not be horribly spoiled just hear us uh speculate wildly about things we had no right to talk about maybe, but maybe we did. It's up to you. Joanna, what did one person think of our past podcast? <laughs> uh
1: Thunder Titan 117 says it's like red wedding for spoilers. Slaying everything. 5 stars. Uh, I look forward to this podcast, each release, living up to its name to the fullest. The team does a great job dissecting each episode while providing nuggets of spoilers and theories, and really doing a great job of giving credit to wherever the theory came from. Thanks, Thunder Titan. Uh, There are times I found myself trying to engage with my own thoughts and then realize it's the podcast is pre-recorded and they can't hear me, even though I have a very valid thoughts and theories. It's a natural conversation full of debate, spoilers, and awesome sauce. Definitely worth a listen. I just want to let you know Thunder Titan 117. I have also tried to talk to podcasts myself, so you're not alone in this.
0: I want you to know that I can hear you <laughs> and you need to settle down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, they,
2: I don't want to say he, I mean... Who says that a woman can't be Thunder Titan? That's right. Um, they shouldn't feel so bad because I also talk to this podcast when I listen to it <laughs> and I'm on this podcast.
1: You know what I should have so done? There's that. I should have recorded that episode of Storm with Spoilers where you guys uh, had patches on instead of me because I shouted so much at my radio <laughs> listening to that. <laughs> it could have been like a commentary track that people could have like played that and the podcast episode simultaneously to hear my commentary. So
2: it was mostly just shouting at patches, though. It was
1: only imagine. shouting at patches.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: Uh, That was an episode where we discussed Game of Thrones. That used to be our bread and butter before we set off in this boat from our citadel to go to other places. But that doesn't mean that we don't stop each week to check in. uh, You know where our stone heart really lives, Neil. What's the Game of Thrones haps? that oh god, I said the haps. All right, you did. We're gonna do it though. What's the haps? (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, so really one big piece of news from game of thrones land unless joanna can think of a second piece um season eight it was they talked about at the tcas this week by uh casey bloys whose name is uh, awful for autocorrect software and the president of programming at hbo said that confirm that season eight will be the end it's basically confirming what we already know but you know you still feel that that little clench in your chest knowing that Game of Thrones is truly going to end at some point. Although, the door was left open for spinoffs. It really is up to Weiss and Benioff at this point whether or not they want to do some extra stuff.
1: I feel like this is the fifth time we've been around this news cycle. Where they're like, yeah, we'll do a spin-off. Maybe we'll do a spin-off. And why somebody off." were are like, guys, we're not doing a spin-off. And then the HBO <laughs> guys were like, but maybe a spin-off. Uh, and then Casey Bloys also, I think today, told BuzzFeed that he wasn't as firm about the season eight ending as maybe the critics of the TCAs had characterized. Uh But once again, it just feels like around and <laughs> around the merry-go-round Girl- <laughs> we go. I'm just sort of, yeah.
2: So what is the so last year was Kit Harrington hair watch? What's the watch this this year? Um,
1: I think we've already. Well, did we talk about this last week that um, Ian Glenn Sarjura? was yeah was spotted in, in yeah. Belfast? That's my watch this year. Sir Jora watch, I think, right?
2: Right. It should be like cast contracts watch 2016.
1: <laughs> well, we already know some things about the cast contracts too, but yeah, it doesn't have the same. I've kind of moved on to American Horror Story. Like, what's, what's the, what's going on with American Horror Story? Cause I don't feel like there are any big mysteries. How long does Cersei survive? Isn't that something we talked about? Uh, I did yeah. have, mm-hmm. I did have another, uh, small bit of news. Which is that there's going to be a new Game of Thrones book coming out, but hold your
0: horses.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not the Winds of Winter. Um, There's an illustrated edition of Game of Thrones coming out from Random House. It's going to be like $50 or $30 if you buy it from an evil corporation uh, it's coming out October 18th, so just after my birthday, guys, so I think you know what to get me. Um, and it's from Random House, and it's just going to be gorgeous. I mean, we don't have any uh, glimpses at the drawings yet, but I am going to assume that it's going to be beautiful. This is going to be a beautiful gift edition of the book that, you know, if you're a smug book reader or would like to be one, this might be a-, a nice volume to purchase for yourself. But yeah, I don't know how many headlines there were today that was like, new Game of Thrones book published, footnote not the winds of winter. <laughs> um but yeah, that that broke today, Monday. So.
2: But we're still on the like we're still planting our flag on winds of winter coming out before season 7, right? 9000%
1: unless Excellent. George Just whiffs in case
2: it. <laughs> Just in case anybody forgot. That's where we're at.
1: Just in case unless George totally whiffs it. Like he had so much extra. I mean like I- I, I was He now so, has
2: like, even more time
1: I will be so sympathetic for him But like if his deadline was last January He has now Has like an extra year and a half Almost so anyway um, I, I'm not One of those people George do live your life You do you do whatever you want But I'm rooting for you buddy <laughs> I want you
0: to finish your book do it Maybe maybe he's been watching Preacher On AMC <gasps> what a smooth When he's not transition. raising wolves Or writing about football <laughs> uh you know that that could be that could be one of the things he and did before because you, it's
1: yeah before you yeah. guys check out of this preacher conversation if you if you haven't watched or read preacher i want to say two things number one we had someone write us feedback on twitter last week that they don't like aren't into star trek at all don't really like star trek and still enjoyed our star trek episodes so i will just say even if we're covering a topic that you're not all that interested in hey maybe it'll be fun to stick around anyway and b or two whatever i started this with um I'm going to lay out a case for why this is a season of television. You can skip and just join in next season. So it might not be a bad idea to listen to us talk about that.
0: Oh, I see. I would say if you don't care about what we're talking about, then you're probably not going to be pissed off about how deep we get into these things, because I'm going to make the argument that this season might've changed the entire ending of how this entire thing's going to go. Because
1: what? Uh, oh oh, what Dave happens... is bringing the storm of oh, spoilers. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> what happens to Anvil in the comic books and what happens to Anvil on the show are different, and because of that, I think different people are to blame, which ultimately has consequences for the end game of Preacher. But then it's also weird because it's a show that pretty boldly in its first ten episode season, uh said that it was uh, going to go on for several more episodes and there was no way to view this as a complete story, which I feel is interesting and, you know, definitely up the Sam Caitlin, Breaking Bad, you know, commit to, you know, this long-form arc, but is also sort of bold in, like, the world of anthology series or, like, Walking Dead, which, you know, it's doesn't have an end in the comics either, so it's just this perpetual misery hole. Uh, Preacher, in case you guys, uh, <laughs> didn't watch the show, uh, was produced by Sam Caitlin, previously Breaking Bad, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, previously of Super Bad, and, uh, stars Dominic Cooper as Jesse Custer, a preacher, uh, who makes fun with the vampire called Cassidy, played by Joseph Gilligan, and, uh, has a previous romantic relationship we learned about this season, uh, with, uh, Tulip, played by Ruth Nega, who was the best part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when she was there? She
1: sure was! Yeah. The Lady in the Flowers! And now is,
0: might, is arguably the best part of this show. Uh, I think she's. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: I think she's second best,
0: but she's up Ooh, there. Who's first best on this show?
1: Joseph Gilgan, man. Cassidy! <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is pretty nice in terms of uh, translations from the comic to the show. Uh, Cassidy. Came across pretty much one to one. Everybody else has little tweaks. Yeah. And the overall plot definitely has gigantic tweaks, I- tweaks, which is why, uh, you may just read the first issue of the comic book preacher and pretty much be caught up
1: plot wise
0: <laughs> as to where we are after 10 episodes of the show.
1: Actually, I have a, I have a thought, uh, experiment. Uh, yeah. so, I mean we can say what happens in the finale of the show. This is Storm of Spoilers. In in the finale of of this season of Preacher, the entire town of Anvil, Texas gets blown away. Uh there are three survivors, four if you count Eugene, which I do, and um and the rest of the cast is gone. And so all the characters that you get to know uh throughout this uh, season are dead. <laughs> That's pretty bold television. And I will say this, I'm going to share this anecdote. When I was in a hotel in Los Angeles before the season premiered, I asked Arthenas because the the church blows up right in the first issue of Preacher, the church yep. blows up. And so right. uh, it didn't happen the first episode of the season. I knew that. So I asked Arthenas, I was like, hey, are you going to blow up the church in the season finale? Like, I know you're going to stay in this town all season. Are you going to blow up the church in the season finale? And he sort of gave me this, like, lay his finger on the side of his nose sort of, like answer uh and then i went to talk to sam catlin and i was like so i mean true storm of spoiler styles right guys i was like so garth ennis just told me they're gonna blow up the church in the finale what do you think and he had a full-on panic attack he was like so (laughs) worried that i was gonna tell the world that this is gonna happen before i hit the parking lot amc had already emailed me to be like uh so did garth uh tell you a thing can you not tell anyone and like i didn't other than you know like anecdotally to people who who know me but like uh it's in the first issue of the 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 comic book so it's hard for me to like i didn't say it everywhere but like it's hard for me to consider that a spoiler when it's like it's like the opening pages of of game of thrones it's like how do you i don't know anyway point it's
0: weird to treat that as a spoiler because as somebody who had read the comic book completely before the show came out <clears throat> when I heard that the first season was going to be entirely set in Anvil, I'm like, well then you know exactly what the finale right, is. Right. Exactly. Because the nature of the, you know, central characters or the central villains uh in Preacher, uh with the exception of Odin Kincanon, which is why I think they adapted him here, is they're chasing Jesse and their various degrees of unstoppable or stoppable. So whether it's Hair Star who sort of uh, you know, tries but fails and we kinda take joy and some sort of weird godless justice or it's the saint of killers who's just absolutely unstoppable but we respect him uh it's there's always a chase and so to take 10 episodes and not do a chase and then also decide to split up the backstory uh across the 10 episodes uh is a really bold way to tell a story and i'm not sure it,
1: entirely successful
0: Right. I think it lended to the show overall being uneven because it has a great tone if you take all the things. If everything's the montage at the end of episode ten that leads to the town blowing up, then that's, you know, exactly the tone that yes. the show wants to pu- wants to pull. And occasionally it gets there, but then Other times it has trouble balancing that with these side characters. Uh, And then when it does hit get like too dramatic and then tries to be funny, it doesn't snap back in the right way. We spend whole episodes sort of spinning our wheels. It was it was interesting.
1: Someone um, on Twitter suggested that if people wanted to watch season one before they watch season two, they could watch the pilot Um the fight between the angels and uh, that other angel, basically, um, in the hotel room. Oh, the one room. in the hotel room. Yeah, that. <laughs> and then the finale. And I kind of agree with that. <laughs> like, I think that's maybe all... You- well, I would put a little more Eugene in there. But, like... uh But, okay, so my thought experiment question then was... Who is the character that got blown to smithereens that you're sad we won't see in season two? I have my uh, answer if you want to stall for time.
0: I mean, ideally, I guess we would go with Neil first, because yeah. Joanna and I have been preaching all over this episode. I would say... Um,
2: I don't know. I think I'm going to miss the the girl who was helping him at the church, the single mom, so that yeah. she was a relatively compelling character. I don't know if I've... I haven't read far enough in the comics to know she is a character in the comics, but um her that actress did a very good job. The other one is the other one that I found strange was the sheriff
1: W Earl so, Brown. yeah,
2: yeah, so Eugene's dad, it feels like as far as having read into the comic to a certain extent, he has more to do, and there's more to that relationship to explore. So to just kind of kill that off is interesting. Um, although who who knows, he could be ready, he could be about to die in the comics, like in the next one that I read. So, uh, well, also the
0: way that they treated him in the show and the way they're treating death in the show means that all those characters might be seeing Eugene sooner than we are, you know? Right. Okay.
1: Um, like a couple things. Um, This is a hard, this is a hard thing to talk about, (laughs) but um, yeah, I have to wonder if like people like Dave and Joanna watching the show, knowing that they're going to blow up the town. And so knowing not to get attached to any of the characters who are not Eugene, the central three, uh, you know, maybe an angel here or there, whatever. But uh, knowing that the single mom is a completely show invented character. So I was like really very sure that she was going to super die. So then I could never really like glom onto her. Do you know because mm, of that. Yeah, that
2: makes sense.
1: Um even though I thought I did think the actress did a fine job. She was on she was on True Blood playing a very different character, so it's fun to see her doing this. Um
0: <laughs> Sure, sort of a different character.
1: Sort okay, sort of a different character. Um I, I my vote would be for W R- Earl Brown who plays the sheriff. I thought he would like especially in the last few episodes just dealing with the loss of Eugene and and like his scene with Cassidy and stuff like that. I just thought he was and just these, like, tearful looks he gave in the finale really lent this weight to this episode that got very violent and very sick in a way that I really, like, support. I support how violent and sick it was, because that's very Preacher. <laughs> but it gave it that, like, nice emotional core for me. Uh Well,
2: and it feels like that that character is a different character than the one we meet in the books.
1: More soulful, I think, right? I What'd mean, you
2: say? L- less of an overt racist. Yeah. <laughs> sure (laughs) I think it's one thing
0: that's that's something I really like about the AMC series and something at least as somebody who read the comic book it probably built in a whole bunch of tension for me that not knowing where this was going might have built into other people which is that they really uh toned down the uh the set the sexual violence and the racism that is like pretty much throughout the comics
1: and the homophobia
0: and the homophobia
1: as far as uh, I don't, know,
0: I'm, not, I'm yeah, I'm not necessarily sure we won't go there because I feel like going there might be. Well, you know, I feel like going all these places might just be different seasons and not here. But in terms of like the character of you know like Odin or you know basically any child that appears in you know the Preacher comics, like nothing really horrible happens. These people outside they get instantly blown up at like the end of it. <laughs> but, like you don't have like Odin Kincanon isn't having sex with a giant meat puppet, you know. They've they've toned that back. They've made it Wait, something Does that happen in the comics? Difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
2: Awesome. <laughs>
1: um, well, no, I mean Seth <laughs> Rogen when when I went to the press conference, Seth Rogen was talking about this stuff. Someone's like, "So, about all the homophobia and stuff that's in preacher because it's written in the 90s, Uh, it's boundary pushing in some ways, but in other ways, the politics of it are, are, are pretty regressive, I would say. And, uh, and Seth Rogen's like, oh, that, oh yeah, we just threw all that out. (laughs) He was like, fuck that. We got rid of all of that. No, thank you. Um, uh, it was really funny the way he said it didn't do it justice, but you know, basically that they're just like, yeah, we can do this story without that bullshit. So that's fine. Um, Well, I
0: mean, like, talk to what Neil was saying. It's, like, in the comics, Odin can canon. There's none of that stuff about his family. He's a short, super racist man who only wants to, like, produce meat and has a shed where he's built a giant meat woman that he has sex with. And he also, his, like, right-hand woman is a Nazi dominatrix who calls in the clan to take over this town. So basically, they just, like... Gave him a humanizing backstory, made him crazy and made, you know, the clan his actual employees. So pulling back on a lot of the, you know, like weird ass, really fringe uh, comic book, not for TV stuff. But which thus far has worked really well,
1: but I have to say that, like, I was so happy in the finale when he made a meat version of his little girl. I was like, this is so preacher. And I can't believe yes. I'm watching it on screen. <laughs> this is so great. So you know, and and like or like the little girls hacking off the penis of the like sex offender, you know what I mean? like that's that's so preacher. And it's kind of crazy that that it's happening. On our screens, and it might go even more in that direction next season. Um, Dave, you didn't, uh, say which character who got blowed up you would miss.
0: Oh, um, I'm, I miss, uh, Donnie's kid. Oh, the, oh my the God. Redhead. I was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we left, we left him where it's like he went to Preacher to like, yeah. qu- quote, start the violence or whatever, and Donnie got to come around and his wife got to come around, but like, what does the kid think of all this? Didn't the kid uh, disappear after, like, that, the
1: second episode?
0: Pretty much. Yeah, something like that. And I then feel it's like, like that, oh, I guess I don't have a kid.
1: I feel like that kid got a different job <laughs> or something. Um, probably,
0: probably. He's probably in, like, another, uh, you know, what I did with my t- middle school summer movie. <laughs> he's, like, king of those right now.
1: <laughs> um, Yeah, he was in Wet Hot American Summer last summer. And then he's in, like, some ad campaign, too. I like that redheaded kid. Um.
0: I was yeah. hoping he'd become like the in the comic books it's uh Arsface escapes uh his dad and um sort of starts tracking down Jesse for like vengeance. Right. And he has like a cool black biker outfit until and people like fear him until they see his face. And I thought maybe that would go to Donnie's kid. But apparently he went boom with everybody else. Big cow fart. Boom.
1: <laughs> boom. <laughs> um <laughs> What I was gonna say is um no, I don't remember. Uh, oh, yeah. So you're talking about the backstory and how they spread it out over the season. I have to say, I think I really would have loved it at the Saint of Killers episode, like, if it had just been one episode. And it could have just been, like, it's risky to do, but it could have just been that and not any of the modern day stuff.
0: Um, well, I think there's uh, the the guy who wanted to do it for HBO uh, previously, I forget his name, but sort of went off the rails uh Being Like the one shots are the one shots and the stories, the story, and we're going to make each issue a thing. So I think uh, when they were, you know, accepting this pitch, not only did they like it was all sorts of different, but that it was all sort of like intermingled. I think they really wanted to stick away from that idea. But that's being said, I completely agree with you. Because I got the idea that the Saint of Killers was in hell. But I still had five minutes of having to watch it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, a lot of the other backstory, like, you know, Jesse and Tulip robbing a bank or their childhood or any of that, like, I didn't mind that being sort of spread out over however many episodes. But, um, yeah, The Sand of Killers just felt like it should be a standalone
2: episode. Right. The, the initial, like the first two times, two episodes they showed him. Yeah. Felt really detached. Yeah. Like it actually took me and I, I knew who that character was. <laughs> and it took me a minute to figure out, Oh, okay, I see what they're doing here. Yeah. I think. This is real well, this this weird, weird though.
0: Yeah, they did this weird thing where around the Saint of Killer episode they scattered a whole bunch of story pieces in. So that's when we started you know, we saw the methane gas at the end of the pilot. And then like a couple episodes later, Saint of Killer comes in. I think that in that same episode we get like one shot of Hair Star, then we never get like referenced again. Yeah. So for like the first three or four episodes of Preacher, it's It felt like buckshot of like story and it was difficult for me to put together even as somebody who had read the comics and I can't imagine what it would be like for somebody who was watching live and you know was just trying to put things together about like what happened to you know like Jesse's dad why are Jesse and uh, Tulip friends like I feel there was they tried to roll it out so that we were seeing something in flashback that would inform what was happening in the present but like one of those stories wasn't paced correctly or ordered correctly because we have entire episodes where he's like setting up a loudspeaker uh you know to talk to the town and that's that's what happens in the in the modern day so I just feel like there was some weird pacing problems but then cuz like the comic book will take a whole issue and just have two characters like just have Jesse and uh Cassidy talk to each other about their pasts and that'll you know be the issue it'll be them walking through New York and talking And I feel like, you know, somebody who's coming out of Breaking Bad can do that sort of thing. Uh, But instead, they sort of went for like this more Breaking Bad season two, like a scene tease hash uh, that, you know, sometimes (laughs) worked and other times didn't for me.
1: Yeah, but giving them like a clear purpose, because Jesse is so aimless in this season. And so giving him a clear purpose, giving them all three of them a clear purpose, I'm really excited about Season two. And then they have basically like that preview for season two, right? Where she was like, are we just going to like wander around and get shit-faced and get in fights and look for God? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, cool, I'm in. And everyone's watching is has to be like, I'm in, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm. those leads
1: are really charismatic. I think there could be a great show built around them. And and I think season one was patchy. But when it was good, it's so much better than like almost anything else on television.
0: That's true. Like they, the the angel fight in yes. the hotel room that then cuts to the title. I was like, this is it. If the show could stay on this pitch for the rest of the time, it'll be great. We won't have to worry about it. We'll get seven seasons. It'll be perfect. Um, I do uh, think
2: they made some good decisions for a show that clearly doesn't have the budget that it wants yet. You know, like that the way they shot that s- sequence in oh, the hotel room.
1: through a hole in the wall. Yeah, I mean, yeah the way
2: and also just the way they delivered like the um the whole town blowing up like they really didn't show the town blowing up so much as it was the church yeah and so I think that what's clear is that you have a show that's working with that's kind of building up to something so I feel like next season we may get kind of the opening of maybe what's going on in heaven and uh some all of this other kind of more ethereal stuff that might be a little bit more expensive from the uh, from the comics. And that's, to m- in my mind, probably one of the big reasons why they went this route to make it kind of a prequel because it feels like the more expensive stuff is later.
0: That's yeah, the- and they moved... Go ahead. They moved some things like you know, Jackie Earl Haley's uh, character from the other- only other time he settles down which is when he gets a little bit of amnesia from God and um ends up in this town called Salvation, which is actually the town with like Odin Kincanon. But they did a good amount of shuffling because there's really only one storyline uh they could do next to keep them in any one spot for any period of time, and that would be like Jesse's fuller backstory. Um, if they decide to do it, which I can't imagine they won't because they've already exposed that he has the tattoo from his other family. Um, but like outside of that, everything else is pretty much on the run. Eventually he gets the idea that he needs to try like different methods to like contact God. So you try like some voodoo and you go, you know, deal with Cassidy's history in New York. But I think they used up all of their, all of their in one place plot that I could remember.
1: I'm so curious if people watching who hadn't read the comics if they saw that transmission from heaven in the finale and were like, are you fucking kidding me? God's a white dude with a robe and a white beard and <laughs> the white hair and a chair. Are you joking? <laughs> like, you know, cause those of us who know, like, knew that that was not God, but like, I'm I'm just so fascinating. I really wish I had watched this season with someone who had no idea what was going on. Mostly so I could be smug, but also, um, you know, just to sort of see it through their eyes would be interesting. Do
0: you think that person would have gotten to the 10th episode with you?
1: With me? Yes, because I'm very forceful, but by themselves, oh. maybe not.
2: <laughs> here's a, Here's a better question. So I have a theory that this show would probably work better in a single binge than it did watching it week to week. but For all the reasons, for all the like, disjointedness that we talked about, this feels like something that would be kind of patched up by watching it straight through or in bigger chunks. It's a theory that I'm going to test out on my roommate who has not yet watched it. I have a feeling that it, it'll it work better as... Because it's only, what, 10, 10 hours? Yeah. So similar... It, there are certain shows that just feel like they explain themselves better if you watch them large chunks at a time versus game of thrones where every episode is a rich tapestry of things to talk about from week to week. And you have to kind of let it release first. Whereas preacher does feel there's a lot of it that feels disjointed that might be better compressed. So that's my,
0: I would, I would totally agree with that in this. If only that barreling through, you're going to miss, I think you're going to miss a lot of the missteps that we got to live with for a week, like watching it? Well,
1: I I did mm-hmm. a combination, right? Well, no, not even really, because I think I got the first four episodes of Screeners before the season started, and I watched them all then. And then I stopped watching for a really long time, because, I don't know, Game of Thrones happened, and then I sort of lost the thread. So knowing we were going to do this podcast, I watched four in a row this weekend, and that was a really good experience for me. And then... Frustrated to wait for the finale and then the finale I thought was great. So I never mm. had that like week in, week out, but I, but I still felt, I still kind of felt the patchiness, but I feel like I would have felt it even more if I had watched it week in, week out. But I, I, I found the binge experience, uh, quite useful for this series. And, and like what's, what's scary to me is that I feel like I'm just being conditioned more and more to feel like that's the way to watch television. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like TBS just announced that. There's this great new show called with Aliyah Shawkat called Search Party that I saw the first episode of it, South by Southwest when I saw Preacher, and TBS just announced that they're basically going to re- release it in a binge or like two episodes per night uh, for a week, and I'm like, yes, that's how that uh, that show should be released because it's like a mystery, where's this girl like sort of thing, and then and I'm, and I'm like, yeah, I think my brain just thinks that's how television should be watched now. Thanks Netflix. Right. But there
2: are, and I think we, we can agree, there are shows that need to be unpacked. You know, like, I think Mr. Robot is a good current example, and Mad Men was another example. Mad Men day, is a good example, you're
1: right. Where it
2: ha- you have to take some time to unpack the episode, maybe watch it again before you can really move on to the next one. Whereas, like, you know, Stranger Things plays like a eight-hour movie, you know, and I yeah. think Preacher would be kind of in that same... I mean it's definitely not as good but we'll get there. Uh <laughs> but I think uh I think yeah it's it's uh, also a frustration that I've had reading some comics cuz I've I've been reading more comics lately. I think you guys are rubbing off on me. Woo. <laughs> but you know this this waiting for the next thing, you know, waiting for new issues is it feels kind of tedious and disjointed for me. I'd rather like I did with preacher grab the big volume and just blow through it and read it a couple of times instead of reading it slowly. It's so maybe hard. that's just a, it's preference.
1: hard to read things issue by issue or I find it hard. Cause I never, I didn't grow up with comics that way. I think maybe if you're used to it, but so I tend to wait for the collected volumes and, and by, you know, those are usually what would you say, Dave, five or six issues in a volume depending.
0: Uh, Yeah. Around there. Sometimes they get pushed to like seven or eight if they're bigger.
1: Right. And so then like I've, it's been like six months or more since I read the first installment. And then I have to like go back and read the first install. You know, it's like, it's tricky. I I prefer like I just recently did with Sandman to read something that's already done. So I can just go through it or, or like I did with Hawkeye or or Jessica Jones uh, alias. Like, you know, that's a more enjoyable way for me to read comics personally.
0: Yeah, I think there's a. This was, yeah, Preacher was my first comic that uh, I knew was going to be a single story by the time I picked it up because I wasn't cool enough to pick it up like in the mid '90s. But I think by around like the 2000s, I was like into it. I think the last the last trade paperback hadn't come out or something like that. But, like, I read this before I read Neil Gaiman's Sandman, so this was, like, my first long-form graphic novel that had been published monthly, and I was just, like, catching up with it. And so this is probably my transition to that sort of storytelling, and it was a lot of going back, or they'd reference something and I'd have the luxury of going back 32 issues uh to check on something else. Um But I mean, it has to have been a cool experience to be going week to week because, like we do for Game of Thrones, a lot of the cool things—at least, like you know, with your ongoing hero comics or your sagas or whatnot—is talking about where the where the future is going and what the shape of the whole is developing into, even if it doesn't necessarily have an end. Preacher very much in issue one has a mission statement and by the end of the 66 mainline issues has concluded that mission statement and told the end of one story.
1: That is, I I mean, that is something that bothers me about binge watching. This is related, I swear, but like, it's hard to talk about it. I mean, you're so right, Neil, that, that shows like Mad Men or Breaking Bad or, or as you say, Dave, uh, various issues of comics need unpacking. Um, and I really liked back when I could talk about an episode. Everyone wanted to talk about one episode of Breaking Bad for a week before we got the next one. Um, and with Stranger Things, it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is a future podcast that we're going to talk about, but like everyone's watching at a different rate. And so someone wants to talk to you about Barb and you're like, I was, I, I got all my Barb thoughts out three weeks ago. I don't know what to tell you. So like, um, <laughs> but, but with Preacher, I really do think I'm really optimistic that everyone can get on board for Preacher next season. Here's, here's a couple reasons why. Number one, AMC needs to put it on an easily binge-watchable platform before season two. I'm hoping Netflix, but we'll see. I mean, that's what helped Breaking Bad get a big lift in its later seasons. Uh, number two, Ruth Nega is in this movie called Loving, which got, like, such insane buzz at Cannes. So um, I, I know that the Cannes circle and the... Uh, preacher circle don't necessarily overlap, but I think Ruth Nega might be up for an Oscar. Like, it might be that kind of big performance this year. She might be, have a, or it could just go nowhere. Who knows? But like, it could happen. And so then you could have this, like, kind of big star attached to this project in a way that it didn't quite have before, with all due respect to Dominic Cooper. Um, and then the third thing is what we've talked about in terms of, I just think the second season is going to be more watchable. Um, and hopefully they will learn from some of the missteps, the small missteps of this season, you know?
0: Sure. So. You, you said that people might not have to watch this season at all. Is this a good time for you to attempt that argument?
1: I mean, I, I, I do think so. I mean, wh- what they said that they wanted to do this season was to sit and rest with these characters before they send them off on a rollicking adventure. But I don't really feel like I'm deep into any of these characters, like, bless Dominic Cooper, but I don't think that, like, the scenes we got of Jesse, like, sitting around meditating really helped me sink in under his skin. Like, he's he was a weird, nervy, erratic character, and I like that about him, but I don't feel like I came out of the season really truly knowing these characters any more than I did after their great introductions in the first episode. Like, I feel like that gave me what I need to know about these characters. I mean, maybe a little bit more of Cassidy's melancholy and loneliness, Um, you know, a little bit more of Tulip's vulnerability, but still, it's just sort of like – they were they were sort of snapping back and forth between vulnerable. It's it's what you talked about earlier, Dave, with tone issues, snapping back between vulnerable and 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 tough so quickly that I just feel like we'll be fine settling in with them next year. It's not like uh, John Hamm staring off into the different distance moodily is different than Dominic Cooper staring off into the distance moodily. Would you agree with that? Like I
0: don't know. Yes. Well, <laughs> at this point, it does. Which is like the whole thing is I don't know what I'm supposed to be assuming from Dominic Cooper's performance a lot. Uh, I'm very being very wary of trying not to like Anna tour of him where he's just you know, <laughs> came up with a come up with a custer I don't like and he's doing a fine performance. <clears throat> but I mean, when I always read Jesse, I'd read him slightly different and maybe it was. The addition of the, you know, like a little bit of the homophobia and his occasional, you know, slips into like ugly behavior, uh, like contrasted against his constantly being dressed as a preacher. And I guess like my mindset is like a teenager it made me think he was always like kind of a little bit more of an asshole. And I think that we really only got uh Jesse Custer the asshole after we got to see what he did to Eugene. But otherwise, you know, you have uh tulip running around saying he's an asshole and him running around saying he feels like an asshole but i'm like you're like a, if your first uh thing that you want to do with the word of god is to attempt to do good then you're probably not, not that much of an asshole but that's because the story needs to start him off as an asshole when he's like riding down the road away from the town he blew up when he got genesis and this one had to like turn him into that And I, I guess there was a couple of episodes where they were trying to teach him the lesson that he can't just use the, the word for everything, which I assume, I don't, I don't remember how they deal with that in the comics. I know at some point he addresses it probably in the car with Tulip, but I'm assuming that's just to like lay off the questions in future episodes why he isn't going around. You know, making everybody oh, prove themselves. So,
2: in the comic, if I remember correctly, <laughs> doesn't using the word cause him to blow up with the church?
0: No, that's just when he bonds with
2: Genesis. It's sort uh, of like okay. what they
1: did in the first episode, where the African uh,
0: like priest right. blew up. Sort of like that. That I'll got leave. a
2: little. That got a little murky for me.
0: Yeah. Well, the other weird thing is that that I kind of like about this is that we got the two angel characters that show up sooner than in the comics and they're not assholes like they're in the comics. I loved but them. Instead, but instead have the ability of giving the backstory of Genesis, which otherwise is just like telepathically given to Jesse in the bond with the entity, which is a really nebulous thing to show on television. Mm-hmm. So if if there were an, an argument for watching season one, I, I would say that you know you got to meet our space and you got to meet the angels i'm not sure that like we know anything more about our lead characters than we did before outside of like the prompts they would have had had the city blown up at the very beginning
1: i i'm really i was really happy to see tom brooke who plays fior uh one of the angels at the end like make it back out of hell um and I hope we see more of him. I really hope we see DeBlanc too, the other angel. Like I loved their dynamic. I love those guys so much. Um, Their delivery is so good. Todd Brook is just lights up my life. I like him so much. So um he was uh, a fray on Game of Thrones before they recast him. And he was also on Sherlock. Um
0: He's just a great addition. So I, I, I don't Blanc know. DeBlanc was shot with the the guns, of the sand of the killers that don't, I know. Thanks, so he's probably not coming back. I
1: know. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, and wishful funny thinking. Is it, you know,
2: what's funny is that DeBlanc is the more interesting one as far as like they start to do, a, they sprinkle in little backstories. So it's like, Oh, well DeBlanc used to like work in hell, which is yeah. like a thing that I learned from either it was in the show or in one of the behind the scenes things. And I was like, Oh, well that's interesting. I want to know more about that guy. And now he's gone. Like everybody's gone in this show. It's it's really yeah. really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like doing an anthology show, but with three different leads. And mm-hmm. a cowboy killing everybody behind you as you go along. Here's my beef with season one. And this is going to, going to go into ultimate spoiler territory, which is Jesse's gonna show up and ask God why he abandoned his creation and there's gonna be this whole thing where eventually Jesse's going to try to take on God before God can become super all-powerful. And that's all because God has been absent in Jesse's lives and in human lives in a way that a Jesse feels has been harmful, that you should take care of your creation. But then at the end of this episode, we see that the absence of a God causes the destruction of this town. So like Jesse showing them that there is no God ultimately killed all these people. Mm-hmm. So does that make him not the hero of like whatever decision story he has? Does he not have like the does he not have the the moral high ground he needs to talk to the Saint of Killers later on in this story?
1: What's well, so interesting because he doesn't know right what what happened to Anne? like he'll never know. Unless you know, like a divine creature tells him how responsible or or how you know God being absent is responsible for the d- destruction of anvil, right
0: right, well, but the show's telling us that no, 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 I know like I know,
1: I know, I'm just saying it's interesting that Jesse won't know that, so like what if what if Jesse, like a Bran stark, is heading towards a terrible decision that he doesn't know is a terrible decision,
0: you know. Yeah, that's definitely possible. I'm just wondering if they're gonna be able to do, to have that be the happy ending that's proposed if we know that the result of that is like humanity loses all hope. Yeah, I don't know. You know, if God's ass gets kicked really bad and everybody knows that he's like fallible and not in heaven, the show's saying that's bad enough to destroy everybody who has that knowledge. Or maybe that's not. Maybe it's just trying to make a joke and be a tone poem, in which case it will let us know in later <laughs> But when I saw that, I'm like, oh, man, this isn't going to be the, you know, God is dead, how dare an all-powerful entity demand worship thing that the comic sort of is. This has the capability of being something that ends up turning, like, positive- in some sort of way, or a more positive ending than that. Not that it doesn't end positively on the comic. Like, it, but it
2: turns into, like, an agnostic um manifesto type well, of thing, I mean, it, or an atheist it deals manifesto, with all those like, questions. We don't
0: need God. It deals with all those questions because you get to find out more about when God, like, abandoned humanity and where he is and what religion has been doing in the absence of that, the few people that have suspected that God's gone, which is what hair star is going to do he's going to be another villain that shows up for the majority of the series but the comic and the reason why hbo ultimately abandoned it besides the you know guy who was saying we should be really uh faithful to the comic is that the comic is pretty blasphemous as far as a honest conversation about what god is and the people who serve them and why we serve him and uh the show looks like it might soften that a little for like a, you know, kind of tongue in cheek for, for the, the gopher and the Indian mascot side plot well, sort of feel, well, where it's like, yeah, that ends really sad, but, oh, I see that, you know, that, that feels like Evan Goldberg all the way through that season.
1: It it did, but like, um, I loved, I, I was like alarmed when the Indian took his life and then was sort of charmed by the final vision of those two together. But, um, the, um, I asked all of them about that because I was actually very curious to see how Preacher would play to Middle America. Now that's not even the question. The question is like are even the coasts going to be watching this yeah. this show? You know, uh but I I like I wanted it to be as big of a hit as The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, which means it needs to appeal everywhere. So basically I think they thought a lot about how do we make this not an alienating show for people who are uh you know of of faith, right? So
0: Right.
1: Um they wanted to show Jesse being a preacher. Before he goes around and kicks ass while wearing a preacher collar. And they wanted to show Jesse grappling with his faith and trying to find faith in it, you know, and do good works. Um, as I think Sam Catlin described Jesse as like, he was, he was hoping that a lot of Christians would, you know, and, and maybe particularly young Christians, but that a lot of Christians would watch the show or, or anyone of any faith and see Jesse as like this kind of cool superhero version of a man of God. Um, that's not really how I would characterize Jesse Custer in the comics, but, um, you know, if they could sort of feel like they could bend the story to get there so that they wouldn't alienate any sort of religious audience and also have enough of the original tone and content to appeal to the godless heathens like me who read the comic, um, then they could have their cake and eat it too. Uh, I'm not sure it's successful. I, like, like I said, Maybe if Dominic Cooper were a different actor and him just sort of moodily or drunkenly reflecting in a church had the same weight as John Hamm contemplating the ennui of being a, an ad man,
2: <laughs> it would
1: have worked. But it didn't quite work for me, that angle of it. So
2: I do uh, think that they've left themselves enough real estate to still be a little subversive.
0: Yeah. And more, I think they're more than buy a little, the- even. I think they're going to buy themselves more as they go along. I think if this season's any indication, each season's going to push in a different direction. Like, I I expect light road trip. I don't expect going headlong into the grail, you know, like next season, or, you know, going, I don't know, the voodoo thing, maybe. But, like, there's some storylines, like definitely Jesse and having a showdown with the Saint of Killers. That you, you know, you save that for like a season four or season five and buy yourself enough real estate to have a gigantic green screen shoot in the desert. Um, but By the time we get to that final, that final, you know, confrontation, they should have, you know, bought all their, all their balls and chips. And you know, I'm interested to see what comes out because I don't know, like with the Saint of Killers, the fact that what we saw from his origin story was also him in hell. I feel a little bit better about the storm not being accentuated as much as it is in the comics. Um, but even that, there are certain indications that uh, this series could end much differently than how the comic did. And for me, how the comic ends is so great, uh, both about what it says to the reader and what it says about the characters, uh, that be s- I'm skeptical I haven't seen enough in 10 episodes to trust uh, this adaptation with that big of a of a change. But I have several seasons, I guess, to go until I finally get to that point. But I, I think, like, jumping out of that, what do we think we're going to see uh, next season? What do you think we're going to we're start off with? What sort of plot lines, maybe from the comic, maybe not from the comic, that you think we're going to have to deal with? Let's, start with? let's start with Neil.
2: Well, I mean, I think they have to go get Eugene, right? At a a,
1: from the the bus stop, can I interject?
0: Oh, is he at the bus stop?
1: No, that's well, I
0: mean, that's a bus stop to hell, but go ahead, go ahead, Joanna.
1: Um, I wanted to interject and say in the comics, right, Jesse talks to John Wayne, uh, like the ghost of John Wayne, and uh, that's something I don't think they're going to do ever on the screen, even though you know they made reference to it with Tulip, was asking you know Cassidy who. Jesse's favorite movie star was, and she was like, it's John Wayne. I don't think we're ever gonna see the ghost of John Wayne, but I wouldn't mind kind of the ghost of Eugene being whatever character it is Jesse's about to like talk to. I kind of liked that in the finale, you know? And I really mm-hmm. I really love that scene with Jesse and Eugene in the church where like you knew that wasn't Eugene, but it kind of was anyway. Uh so I like that use of that character more than I probably will actually like the character who will come back and angry and vengeful (laughs) you know even if that's closer to the comic so um i don't know that i I agree that eugene needs to be brought in but i don't know if it's as you say a rescue mission or if it's um him as an imaginary friend for jesse Mm. sorry sorry to interrupt you but the
2: question the question on something like that is like how confident are they that they're going to get by season two you know like if they if they feel confident then I think that's something that they like the way you described it makes more sense. Like, you hold the Eugene thing, like, Eugene's still in his head, but eventually down the road, they go get him. Um, or he finds a way back or whatever. Uh, but if if they are going all out and not sure that they're going to get a season three, then maybe we see the rescue. Yeah, yeah I maybe, can see that. Maybe, yeah.
1: Uh, for me, I am really excited to see, uh, Cassidy backstory. Well, y- you guys know that, like, when I have a favorite, it's, like, really a favorite. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I, I love Cassidy and Jessica Gilgan so much. Um, Joseph Gilgan gave me the most useless interview that I've ever conducted, uh, at South by Southwest, and it was so charming. He's, like, the most wonderful, useless person to talk to when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> Preacher <laughs> They asked me if I wanted to talk to him again when I went to LA I was like no I'm good actually He's not going to tell me anything um, But he's so delightful I, I love his performance uh, Both uh, The fun bits and the bit of pathos And so I think And and you know as you know I'm a sucker for v- Buffy the Vampire Slayer Which also had its share of Vampire backsta- back, backstory Backstory Episodes, so I wouldn't mind a Cassidy backstory episode or two. Um, yeah. Some time travel, a little a little time travel, a little quantum leap sort of thing. So, yeah.
0: Nice. Nice. I think they should go straight for the voodoo plot and to hit, to hit both of your guys's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Eugene may never be coming back. I think he might be exclusively the John Wayne role. Yeah. Uh, because I admit, I'm not sure what Jesse's seeing, but it would be more akin to the John Wayne uh, if, if it wasn't actually a manifestation of Eugene. And it would be, I think, useful if he actually did damn somebody by accident and every time we need to remind him that he's not all powerful to sort of do that so i'd like to do voodoo and then at the end of season two his family finds him at like the worst possible time
1: and i mean i have to say that like the eugene thing is a good you know in this version his hands i guess the trish blowing up isn't really his fault in the comics but it's good for jesse to have a reminder of of really fucking up and abusing his powers and that's what eugene is right Yeah, well, I Mm -hmm. mean,
0: Eugene's father sort of goes in that direction in the comics, but he's just such an asshole. They kind of don't notice. But it's R-Space's reaction to that that makes him and Cassidy sort of notice that they did a bad thing. So it's still the same grouping of characters. Right. I'm just, uh, it's, you're right in the sense that when you said he's the John Wayne thing, I'm like, yes, of course, he's the John Wayne thing. But in order for like that, I think to be purposeful, it has to... Be a reminder of Jesse's suffering because John Wayne's about his dad and Eugene is something we saw, and maybe we're gonna be a little bit more connected to that going forward. Until we learn more about the dad, which is why I'd put uh, uh what do they call it? Angel End in in the back end of season two. Mm-hmm. Since it's gonna be extended to what is it, thirteen ep twelve, thirteen yep, episodes? Thirteen episodes. Thirteen episodes. We're gonna know, get a you, whole three more episodes. Do
1: you know when it's airing? I do not. That'd be my other advice. Please don't go up against Game of Thrones. Just don't do it. But I guess if Game of Thrones is going to be in the summer, then maybe they can just come back in the spring and have have a clear run. But, you know, it's just I don't know why anyone would like start their show opposite Game of Thrones. You
0: know, (laughs)
1: if you're already like three seasons in and you know who your audience is and you and, you know, they know where to find you, then fine. But like, don't put a new show up against Game of Thrones. It's just cool.
0: Or if you're on a streaming platform reliably. Right. Yeah. Okay, maybe too. Right. Right. That's
2: where I think a lot of people will pick up Preacher is it'll be like Breaking Bad. If they put it on Netflix over the course of the next nine months, people start to pick it up and be like, oh, I remember that show. I just didn't watch it and uh and they'll get into it because you can like we said you could binge it and it actually might work better
0: yeah if i have like old friends that i've known for a while and they like get sick and they're like watch shy netflix i'm gonna be like preacher then that's gonna that's how people are gonna more people are gonna watch season two hopefully Mm -hmm. because that's what i need for a season three and guys if you've been paying attention what we're saying is you need to feed this animal because it makes it stronger and we would like it to be stronger so that we do that by supporting it somehow. I don't know. I bought the season pass <laughs> just because I like seeing like all the inside the episode stuff. Because I wanna, I wanna be a good, wanna be a good storm of spoilers podcaster. I um,
2: also bought the season pass because I don't have a DVR. Smart.
0: So there's that.
1: Uh, you have Joy, a- I
0: just got screeners for everything.
1: Well, I did get screeners, but but I when I watched the four episodes this weekend, I watched them on demand. So I think some cable packages offer AMC on demand. Oh,
2: yeah, maybe I have on demand.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say.
2: That's okay. The iTunes thing, the I have a problem with my my Time Warner cable, um, where it like the broadcast version just looks like crap. So if you get it on iTunes, it looks gorgeous. It looks <laughs> like a it's in actual HD.
0: Yeah, yeah, all the pix- all the pixels are there.
2: Right. I, I know why Dave likes it.
0: Yeah. yeah I do, I do like it. I do like all those extra pixels. <laughs> uh, so unless anybody has pressing business on the Preacher prequel.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't think uh, so. I mean, like, I guess if if people um, want to know if they should read the comic, I would say if the tone of the finale didn't bother you, then, well, no, the comics are more extreme. It's quite extreme. I only read the comics because Dave told me to, like, last year. And... uh and I went in knowing that it was the kind, what what the comic book world was like then, which is very different from how it is now. And, uh, and uh, there's greatness there. And then there's just like eye rolling ignorance there too. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Deadpool had pouches on his ankles back then. That's how stupid everything was. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Cool. Neil, where are we going next week?
2: Ooh, next week we've got a good one, I think. I hope. I don't know. Uh, Next week we're going to Arkham Asylum, and we're going to talk about actually multiple uh, incarnations of the darker side of the DC Universe, which I guess is just now the DC Universe, because everything's dark over there. But more specifically, we're going to talk Suicide Squad, we're going to talk The Killing Joke, and uh, both of those have a lot of... Well, one has a very specific comic that it's being adapted from, and the other has a lot of comic history. So we're gonna we're gonna pick through Dave's knowledge of all the different Suicide Squad characters and uh, talk about. Oh, we about- might
0: all be go- we might all be Googling and over the next few days together <laughs> to find a good uh, might all be swath of Suicide Squad
1: Googling together. Uh, that's how it should be.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's a do- Cat Stevens song.
1: <laughs> Neil, did you watch uh, Batman the Animated Series growing up?
2: A little bit.
1: Okay.
2: A little bit.
0: Is it a similar stuff? Joanna's already seen The Killing Joke. Neil's already seen The Killing Joke. Uh, None of us have seen Suicide Squad. By next week, we will have all seen both. Uh, Oh, man. You guys, I don't want to watch The Killing Joke. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh, there's a podcast that I will uh, link to in the show notes that Joanna and I did discussing The Killing Joke when this project was announced that sort of asked the question, like, why now? And maybe listen to that uh, because we're definitely going to be talking about adaptation, not necessarily the core material and some of the issues around that. But that's interesting if you like comic books <laughs> and you like comic book discussions.
2: <laughs> and I will say this. Dave and I talked about The Killing Joke for a good 10 minutes before we came on air. And I still was not able to answer the question of why now.
0: Yeah, so that might be money, the question
1: right? We... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Har—well, no, not Harley Quinn, but like the Joker, Jared Leto's Joker. That's why now.
0: Sure, but it's—it's it's not. It's Mark Hamill Joker. No, I know, so but they're like.
1: Why no, 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 but they're like they're trying to. I mean, I guess we're podcasting for next week right now, but they're trying to capitalize on the fact that the Joker you know for the first time since heath ledger which was not that long ago is back in the center of the spotlight so they're like banking on suicide squad being so popular and the and jared leto's joker being so intriguing uh that's that's my doubting voice if you didn't know um that people would be people beyond fans of the original comic would be clamoring for a, a joker-centric animated film
2: boy are yeah. they in for a surprise
1: uh, they. Yeah. I think they already know <laughs> that they phoned
0: this one, but yeah. So we're going to be doing those. I've been trying to ground up some Suicide Squad rumors, as you guys may or may not know. went through some extensive reshoots, and I'm hearing some edits in late in the game. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll be able to know more and tell you more. Maybe I'll just be able to tell you weird theories, but that's how things go on Star Wars Spoilers, regardless of where we are and how coolly we're dressed. Uh, nice. which I'm looking forward to uh, Arkham Asylum graphics because uh, I just imagine I'll look badass and my eyebrows will look fantastic. Guys, mm-hmm. until next week, <laughs> where can we find more of your work on the internet? Mr. Neil Miller.
2: Uh, you can find me tweeting at Rejects. You can also find me doing some tweets at Storm of Spoilers and where we have uh, updated our graphics package once again. Thanks to our good friend Wiki Rascals, and you can find things that I write on FilmschoolRejects.com. I am actually reviewing Suicide Squad this week, probably on the same day that this podcast comes
0: out. Oh, spoiler, spoilers! <laughs> Joanna, uh,
1: <laughs> you can find me on VanityFair.com, where this week I will have a largish piece on Harley Quinn to stay in theme. Uh or you can follow me on Twitter at this. I will be seeing Suicide Squad. Actually I can't talk about what I'm seeing Suicide Squad. So uh we will talk about it next week and I will see you then. Bye.
0: That's, a, that's such a tease. I am Jake Gonzalez. <laughs> I tweet at DA7E. I write at Geek.com I podcast at fightinginthewarroom.com and I have to digitally purchase the killing joke this week. Until next time <laughs> no, and I'm not even gonna do a joking laugh. I'm horrible at it. I'm sure Jared Lee is horrible at it. I'm so mad I have to do this. See you next week. <laughs> Drop it.
2: Call me the joker, more like Casanova
1: over Hover, cause when I'm on the mic, dude, it's over. They say I'm off the chain, I'm on like off the meter, the leader. I get these girls wet like Aquafina. Now stop, forget all the lies and the rumors. Haters mad cause I'm on their mind like a tumor, for real. I stay on an 808 like Kanye. Game is like DK,
0: cause I get it my way. Fast like
1: lightning, flows exciting, stay on my cake like icing.